Hi everyone. Uh, we are chirping with ABA Owls. Uh, I'm Carla and this is Lauren. Hi everybody. Welcome back. Um, so just a quick disclaimer. Uh, we just wanted to say these are our thoughts and experiences. We are not claiming to know everything. We are only speaking from our experience. Um, do we have anything from last podcast we, you want to mention, Lauren? I don't think so. I no, mean, I mean, if there is, I, I, I might remember as we go along. It's been, it feels like a long time ago. <laughs> I, mean, <it> was. <laughs> I think it was for both of us. All right. So Yeah. Okay. So I'll let Lauren introduce you to our topic today. So Carl and I were discussing different topics and we thought it might be helpful to talk about returning to school or back to school. Um, because, you know, when we when we are considering going back to school, when um, we go back to work, you know, we need to think about picking our battles in terms of what is the most important things to tackle. So today we will, we will be discussing back to school, picking your battles. And I think, you know, the reason we chose this topic is that, you know, it's relevant as people might be heading back to school after their summer break. And most of our school routine or our work routine has been sort of upside down due to the recent pandemic. So, you know, forming new, um, solid, good routines for you and your kids to follow might be more, we might be all more successful going forward. Um, routines are good. I know that sometimes it may seem a little bit boring um, to think about these things, but actually it's a healthy routine can lead to a lot of success. And I know that I'm speaking on behalf of Carla because we talk about this a lot, but we've had a lot of success using routines to shape our behavior. And we'll talk a little bit more about shaping a bit later. Um, so how are we are all affected? You know, so returning to school, there can be lots of things that might be um, appropriate to talk about. You know, there's a lack of routine. You know, our eating habits may be different. Um, you know, our sleep patterns may have um, been altered. And, and, you know, leisure time, we might have also less time to ourselves. Um, so, you know, we can be affected by things after a long period of time, you know, with without a proper work or school routine. You know, we're in a new space and in the world and this can be quite scary for all of us. You know, we need to be mindful that we should focus on things we can control and become fluent and strong in those things and try not to worry about things we can't can't control. Apologies. I'm fresh out of a protest this morning. So <laughs> so I might not be as fluent and I can feel the migraine brewing. So um, apologies are some of the things that are upside down. Um, I think also, you know, some of the difference in our behaviors and in different environments. So, you know, school is very different from home. Work is very different from home. And how the pandemic has mixed all of these areas, because our home environments have become our work environments in some instances. And our home environments have become our school classrooms. Um, so it's been tough on, I think, everybody. Everybody's felt that it's really difficult to be able to be successful with routine during this time. So, yeah, I think... It's just some things to consider, which we'll chat about as we move forward. Um, so, in the to- like the title says, uh, in picking your battles, um, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be discussing the various aspects of daily life that get affected by going away on holidays and by taking time off in school, so you can go back on track using track using the principles of ABA, which it can help you. Believe us, it can help you um, if you're able you know, to follow through. So if you're able to ask your child to do something uh, and they do it, or if you have a child or a learner that will most likely follow your instructions, then by all means, go for it. And, you know, and you tackle all the battles. But in most cases, uh, when you take on everything at once, it can be very overwhelming. It can be challenging and successful and frustrating because you just want them to be you know, to be okay, just want them to settle in. But when it's too much, it's it is it is that it's just that it's too much. Um, I think also it's it's important to choose what is important for your child at that moment, or as as they present themselves now. You know, what are they struggling with, or well, what are they doing okay with? You know, there may be there are many different approaches to be able to tackle these things, and which one you choose will depend on the type of child or learner you have. Um, and your availability and disposition to persevere. You know, you've got to have quite a lot of um, oomph to keep this going. 
Um, you can tackle one area that you find very difficult and do it slowly, you know, or you can focus on areas that are okay with and build up on that to becoming those ones becoming stronger. Or you can work on one that's a really hard area and an easy area. It depends on what your availability is, I've just said. So we're going to discuss a few um, area by area and how ABA and the principles of ABA can help you sort of formulate back into the school routine. All right. Thank you. So the first part we're going to discuss uh, is the is in itself called the lack of routine. And we're first going to talk about shaping the behavior uh, what happens when the behavior is shaped from routine to lack of routine? Uh, and we will be using the word shaping quite a lot uh, on this episode. Uh, and it's shaping is what hap- happens when you gradually modify a behavior by using reinforcement. For example, let's say that bedtime, bedtime used to be 9 p.m. And when school ends or you go away on holidays, there is one day the child can stay up until quarter past nine, half past nine in the night, in the evening. And the following day, the same thing happens. And then maybe the next day and the next day and the next day. And the behavior of staying up until later is gradually reinforced by letting the child stay up. And our bodies do become accustomed to staying up later and it becomes part of our new routine. So this is how the normal routine gets shaped into either the lack of routine or into a new routine. So staying up later probably goes hand in hand with playing for longer. So watching TV, chatting for a bit longer, etc. So the association of being awake for longer and having access to different stimuli um, is created throughout our lifetime. So it's very easy for us to slip into during periods when there's no schedule commitments or anything to do on the following day. So staying up later will probably coincide with waking up in the morning and during the weekends or days off or holidays when it's doable. So when you get up early to get ready for work and school, then staying up later becomes less desirable and it's less doable. Uh, And eating meals at certain times as well, doing housework or schoolwork, all these situations will be altered and they will be gradually shaped out of the usual order that we do them. So this is what happens when you shape a behavior into a, from routine to a lack of routine. And now the reverse. So now going back to school, trying to shape it from lack of routine into the normal routine. So to adapt it to the school. And, you know, it's easier to shape a behavior when the reinforcement is, is strong. And staying up later, as we mentioned, is, is reinforced because staying up later means you have more, you can watch TV, you can play, you are able to do other activities that you cannot do when you go to bed earlier. So going to bed earlier doesn't have that reinforcement. And that's really important when you're shaping a behavior. So when you want to shape a behavior back to how it was previously, you then have to look at, at reinforcement. You need to, what can you add uh, to going back to the routine? So what can you alter um, in the reinforcement as well, surrounding the lack of routine. So let's take um, let's take an example situation. So let's say um, your child or learner is used to eating their lunch by the TV, which is quite common to do when pupils are on holidays. It, it happens a lot, doesn't it? We all do it at times, unless you're like my uncle and my aunt who didn't believe in TVs. In that case, may may the heavens help you. Uh, uh, oh, I definitely, definitely <laughs> have this problem. So I relate <laughs> intimately to this. <laughs> I know, for real, isn't it? And I remember kids, when I was a child and my uncle and my aunt said, you can't watch TV while we eat. I'm like, okay, fine, that's fine. But then when they had children, they had TV all the time. And I'm just, oh, now, now that you're tired. Anyway, but I'm not judging anyone. I'm I'm just judging my, my uncle Annette because I wanted, auntie, because I wanted to watch TV and it didn't last. <laughs> anyway um so lunch by the tv or dinner by the tv and let's say you want your child to come and have lunch or dinner or eat at the table so what is reinforcing about what the learner is doing and about what you want them to do Uh, and people with autism can have a harder time with creating formulating new routines as they can be quite rigid with their current routine 
but all but neurotypical people can be like that as well as Lauren and I have shown um, when they're able to watch a show or play a game and now all of a sudden you're telling them they can't so you know it's natural for them to resist it and you can go on you can go one of two ways you can go extinction or shaping so in extinction for example you will not you wouldn't allow the tv at mealtimes anymore and just put the table on the t- uh, the plate on the table and you know you wouldn't allow desserts or sweets or the preferred edibles until the person was eating at the table so basically is when it's no longer allowing the behavior to contact the reinforcement and this can cause a big a big emotional um you know reaction and when we're using shaping you can do many different things you might let them eat in front of the tv but then for the last few bites of food bring them to the table and every day you can increase the amount of bites they have to take from the food while sitting at the table and then you can reinforce them with the tv after meal times you can also allow the young person or person to use a screen at the table this way they're there and they're watching the program they, they like, but at least they're sitting with you. And then later on, you can de- de- gradually decrease the amount of screen time at the table. And shaping is more gradual. It takes longer and it contains many more steps than extinction. But in our experience, it has been incredibly successful. And we've taught children and learners lots of different skills using shaping and we even taught ourselves new behaviors using shaping, whereas extinction, again, can cause an emotional reaction. Uh, and if you're not ready to follow through with that emotion, the consequence can, even, can be worse. It can take longer to shape the routine. Um, Lauren, I think you wanted to give an example of that because you've used this quite a lot, haven't you? Yeah, I think, you know, um, we'll talk a little, I think we're going to talk a little bit more about extinction and shaping a bit later. But yeah, I think it can be, um, you have to be quite um, strong-willed. And I think extinction can be quite difficult to manage. And sometimes it feels like it's going on for quite a long time. Um, So yeah, I think it's one of those things that you have to be quite prepared for and maybe have a group of people so that everybody's um, sort of strong enough to go through it um yeah I think I wanted to give an example of how um I used shaping with a young man who is actually formulating a new routine like getting him ready for school and he was already in 16 and we wanted him to learn how to get his own stuff ready for school so you know by the age of 16 you should kind of be able to pack your own bag for school um so we decided that that's what we would teach him that he'd have to get all his look at his timetable and collect all the things he needed for that day and pack it into his bag and make sure he had his lunch and his water bottle etc etc and so we worked initially at school to formulate the routine like ask his mom to send in the resources so we could teach him and then we got mom to run it at home um, so that he would be able to pack his bag and be ready for school so it's teaching like self-management skills and initially we just got him to I think check that he had his book his communication book in his bag or his daily book um, and then we worked our way through all the way through to like getting his ingredients for lunch that he was cooking at school that day and making sure that he'd got his PE kit for the, the activity of that day so I think yeah it can be incredibly successful um, so yeah it can it can help um, create new behaviors and you know Carl and I have used both um, extinction and shaping and I think I lean definitely way way more towards shaping and I know Carla does too you know yep it's yep yep absolutely yeah it's it's just it as, as Carla mentioned it takes a bit longer but it is very successful and you know using on ourselves our own behavior I know that I created a really solid study routine and a really solid fitness routine when I walked the Camino was building up those skills slowly. Carla and I mentioned this before. You don't start with a marathon. You don't start running the marathon on the first day. You may start with like walking down the road, trying your shoes out. You know, you've got to slowly build up that skill and have the strength um, to be able to do that. So, yeah. And I think, you know, the behaviors, there might be a lot of behaviors that occur when you're implementing a routine or a new routine. Um you know, it can be quite challenging. And we, we've all experienced this. You know, when you get a new, um, let's say you're used to doing a certain way, work doing a, c- a certain way on a certain time, and then all of a sudden you have to create a new routine, it can be very difficult, even for us. Um, so I think, you know, thinking about the young people we're, with, we're working with, you know, we've got to understand that and have understanding of how difficult things can be for them. 
you know, so there may be a few things that occur when creating a new routine. There can be lack of compliance. So a child will just refuse to do things or they may have problem behavior and that can present itself in many different ways. So shouting, you know, screaming, crying, hitting, kicking, whatever, um, throwing, whatever behavior might occur. And the list can go on and on and on. And this all depends on the learner and their learning history, um, you know, which behaviors have resulted in me being able to escape things people ask me to do and which behaviors have resulted in me getting what I want. Um, so, you know, re finding replacement behaviors um, would be appropriate here. I mean, I think it's also this is a good opportunity to say that behaviors don't occur out of the nail, I like to say, in a vacuum. OK, no, nope. if a child. <laughs> yeah, this is something that um, Carl and I always feel so fascinating when people tell us things It's like nothing happened, nothing, nothing was happening. And then all of a sudden behavior started happening. And I was like, well, nothing, there's never nothing that's happening, really. You know, we're always kind of doing something. We're breathing, we're thinking, we're blinking. You know, we're engaging in self-stimulatory behavior in some way. So something is happening. Um, you know, if a child throws an object, there may be a reason why they might be throwing something. It may be unreasonable, but it doesn't mean it's happening for no reason. Um, okay, and the reason that might happen, like the throwing, is that someone in some ways reinforced it. And I think I go out to everybody who's listening and say, we are not blaming people for behaviors that are occurring. It is not your fault that behaviors are happening. However, you know, if they are occurring, something or someone is reinforcing it. So it is occurring for a reason, but it's not you know, people aren't intentionally trying to create these behaviors or reinforce them. You know, maybe something happened at school or maybe a, another peer um, or a person in that child's learner group. Um, reinforce the behavior, maybe a parent, maybe a teacher, you know, we can, re we reinforce each other's behaviors all the time. You know, Carla re replies to my messages with funny things and I keep messaging her. So I'm getting some reinforcement from her by, um, Hell yeah, you are. <laughs> and memes and gifts and we do love a gif. It's, um, it's quite rough, um, in our chats. So, you know, I think things are being reinforced by, by the environment or other people. You know, and when when a child is having challenging behavior quite frequently, you know, it can be really difficult to stand your ground and follow through with with things that you've asked them to do. Um, so, you know, we understand people give in. I mean, I've done that definitely in my career when I've given in, you know, and learned the hard way around, around the corner that that might not have been the best thing to do at that moment. But, you know, you're more likely to give in because it's exhausting, um, and that's why, you know, shaping might actually be a better way to tackle things. Um, you know, we're not we're not saying it's not other people's fault, but it is having that awareness of why behaviors are happening can be a very, very powerful tool. Once you know your part to play in this dynamic, you know, you can just feel so much more empowered. And I'm not totally talking about children who have learning difficulties or autism. I'm talking about loads of different people, people that shout at you on the street, you know, people on the bus and the tube people that are around hooting when they're driving in traffic, you know, it, it happens all the time that behaviors are inappropriately reinforced. Um, I think also what I wanted to say was Colin and I did a workshop and have a workshop on shaping. So if you want any more details, I'll mention this again at the end, but, you know, we are happy to for people to come along to that workshop as it can be quite enlightening to do. Um, and then in terms of the use of reinforcement and motivation to implement a routine, I think it's really, really important to consider what motivates that person or what is that person motivated for? And also, how can we use that to reinforce them? Um, Carl and I, when we are, you know, creating our own new routines, we have reinforcement reserved for us to reinforce ourselves when we've completed that task. And sometimes that involves us going to the cinema and eating copious amounts of food. Um, oh, I miss the cinema. Oh, me too. Yeah, I know. It was so much. It was such a good use of like reinforcement for us. I know. Um, it was a hard day, and then cinema. Oh, it's just the best. Um, but yeah. So now that we talked a little about shaping and extinction, and we've touched lightly on reinforcement, I think it's time to properly explain some of it. So you know, reinfor reinforcement and motivation are at the heart of changing behavior. If you want to change behavior, 
you need to understand intimately what that person's motivated for and how reinforcement can be used to a motivate them and b reinforce them okay um and you know it's really really important to 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 think about that a lot you know card and I when we started our journey as AVALs we just we did a survey and asked people what they would like to learn about and obviously we talked about reinforcement and motivation and it was one of the least liked topics we didn't get any votes for it and it just shows you that people only want to hear about challenging behavior and how to manage it but actually if you get the reinforcement and motivation right sometimes you might not have to deal with as much challenging behavior so it is very very powerful used in the right way um so yeah i think it's you know they want to know about how to to manage challenging behavior and how to how to toilet train someone but they don't want to talk about you know how to reinforce someone because that is the key um so yeah so evidently we just put it into every workshop and every podcast we talk about it <laughs> so we get our we get our own back on people who weren't interested in hearing about it um so basically let's talk a little bit about reinforcement so reinforcement defined is basically the adding or the removal of a stimulus after a behavior which will increase the likelihood of that behavior occurring again in the future okay sorry about the wordy bits okay so i'll explain it another way basically reinforcement means that when you give something or you remove something okay you give a toy or you turn off a loud noise after a behavior occurs then that person will most likely do that behavior again because that behavior has resulted in them receiving reinforcement okay he's so there's another example okay if your child shouts for a cookie and gets one he or she is more likely to shout to receive a cookie again in the future because that shouting resulted in getting the cookie okay if you teach them to ask nicely or calmly to say can i have a cookie or cookie or sign cookie then you give it then that behavior will most likely happen again the nice calm way of asking it so what you reinforce you will see more of essentially and you know when you want to start a new routine you need to consider what reinforcement will be effective what the person is motivated for you will need to consider what rein- what is reinforcing their lack of routine and how you can use that to reinforce a new routine okay so for going to bed you could do some fun activities in the bedroom or you could use something that they really want to do as a motivator okay so they say oh we want to go play in the playground or go and play so okay well tomorrow we can go and play we have to go to bed early so we have energy tomorrow to go play um some sort of minor grass that you may need to be a little bit more um obvious with your explanation okay um because then you'll be more refreshed in the morning to get up um so you know you might need to be more obvious in using reinforcement this could be letting them play with it with an item they really like um only when they get into bed so that item is associated with getting into bed or you could sit with them and read you know them their favorite stories until they fall asleep you know i think carl and i agree on this quite a lot is that we prefer not to use food or edibles as we like to call it you know about part of the bedroom bedroom routine i understand that some children like that but it can be something that we try to avoid because you know most of these things have sugar and it might not be great to be having that at bedtime um and also you know it might not be suitable to eat it right before bed and you don't want to create that as part of your routine excuse me so yeah so sometimes food works but we would try and avoid it as much as possible carla sorry i've spoken for so long did you want to add anything of what i've been saying hopefully it's understandable <laughs> No no you're doing it perfectly carry on i love to hear <laughs> go ahead <laughs> okay so sorry you're still hearing from me um i i wanted to touch briefly on eating habits because you know i i did my thesis on um or dissertation or whatever you want to call it on a on food programs and improving eating habits of um young people with autism and so i have a little bit um of a passion for that so carla allowed me very kindly to talk about it because you know when we're out of routine our eating habits can be very different and we all know that when we go on holiday you know we're eating more 100% because you know it's more free time and we get to enjoy our time more and i know certainly in my case is that i love food i love eating food i like baking and cooking food cake. so i want cake 
I want. I know. My mom, my mom was like, "What are you making today?" And I was like, "Oh goodness, I've got to bake after record of the podcast." I haven't had an oven in six months, people. Ah, yeah. I'm waiting for the fuse, and I was right; it was the fuse. I'm just waiting for that fuse to arrive so I can bake a cake. I want a cake. Sorry. Yeah, she (laughs) went without her birthday without a cake. You no, know, I actually well, did one. I did one because my friend Vini, she was so cute. She brought me a cake, and my friend Ali as well brought me some cupcakes. So I did have some cake. Yeah, but you weren't able to bake a cake. I know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I you shouldn't really bake your own cake on your birthday. Really, that's <laughs> quite. You know, that's quite. Although I have to say, in my household, that's what I'm expected to do. They're like, "Well, you can bake it," and I'm like, oh, uh, "Thanks." Well, you make a very um, good Japanese cake. Yeah, I do. I I like to bake, you know, and I've been making donuts recently, which is very much out of. Oh, I saw. See, you see, food is reinforcing. Of course, it's going to be reinforcing. Absolutely, it's reinforcing (laughs) to look at. It's reinforcing to talk about. It's reinforcing to eat. Yeah, it's just, and it's such a social thing, don't you think, Carla? Yeah, yeah. Social thing to to talk about food and try new foods, and you know, we're so Mm. like, especially living in London, we have access to such cool and like exciting and different types of foods but see the meals in london are different because one they're more expensive um oh amen yeah there's not i don't feel in london there's a thing of you sit at lunch for three hours whereas in portugal and spain italy whatever lunch is like a sometimes a whole day thing yeah it's an event yeah like you know you went to my house when you you visited and we had sangria Uh, and stuff and it was just it was eating and eating, yeah. It was very nice with my granny who doesn't speak English. That was fun. Oh yeah, tiniest granny in the world. I mean, people. she's so little, isn't she? She's, she's diddy. So short. Yeah, she's so short, and she's taller now so because sweet. of her. So sweet. <laughs> oh, she's so sweet. But she's yeah, sweet I think now. Yeah, <laughs> it's so it's so um, it's so social eating, and I, you know, having been back in South Africa, I. Yeah, we have the three-hour lunches. We have the three-hour coffee dates, you know, like where you just meet them have a coffee and you just never leave. You Coffee turns into lunch um, yeah. or, or dinner. So, yeah, I actually have been really enjoying that. And I think, you know, as I was oh, sorry, we've been a little bit off topic, but I think, you know, going back to school and work, you know, you only can eat in certain times, really. It's, food is only really available at certain times. So, you know, maybe consider thinking about meal times within a school setting or within a work setting, you know, and when will you be allowed to eat? So you can maybe start your kids on that kind of sort of strictest regime about like, you know, morning snack, um, lunch and then off if they're lucky afternoon snack well usually when they come home they should have had an afternoon snack before dinner but yeah i think thinking about those kinds of things might be really important um you might want to start with similar foods that'll be available at school as well as home you know some kids are on school dinners so you know it's the kinds of foods that they'll get you know maybe the schools that your children attend will be nice enough to give you a menu ahead of time so you can prep your kids for what kinds of food they'll be trying and those kinds of things. These are just some ideas um, that I thought of at the top of my head. But, you know, sometimes it can be the last on your list. As long as they're happy in school, it might not be as um, important to tackle. But, yeah, I think it's something to consider. And obviously, if your child has a specific diet or has allergies, that should be considered first. Um, but, yeah, I think it's important to think about the you know first couple of weeks, maybe an adjustment period, and you might need to – Eat a little bit more to be able to get through it. Um, so, yeah, thank you, Carla. I know I've been droning on for ages. Oh, that's fine. Um, I just wanted to add, because I know now with COVID, lots of schools, at least here in England, are doing p- packed lunch. So they're still supplying the free meal. Uh, oh, of course. But it's a packed lunch. Just so I think kids are going to eat in their classrooms or something. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm going to take this. I'm tutoring this little boy. Um and we're going back to school on Monday, so I'm quite curious to see how the environment's going to be. <laughs> it's quite bizarre. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Yeah. yeah. No, let's see. Oh, this virus. Go away, virus. We're sick of you. We're sick of you. Yeah, preach. Uh, anyway, so now it's my topic, sleep patterns, which I'm fascinated by. And, you know, you need to say thank you to Lauren, who restrained me a lot, because I, I just, I was just like I want to talk about this this and it's like a Carla like let's keep it for maybe another episode because I was like okay fine because I can I can get started and I can go down the rabbit hole and move there 
Um, so sleep patterns, which are very important. Sleep is what allows us to function. If you go without sleep, you can die, which is true. Sounds dire, but it's true. It's, you know, lack of sleep can lead to shutting down of your organs. Uh, so what what was your child's sleep pattern before, before the lack of routine? And how is it now? Uh, Lauren has a saying, and she, this is, you know, she's one of her favorite sayings, I think. Um, other than I need to go to the post office, that's her number one. But the second one, I would say, is... <laughs> <laughs> You like that? Oh my goodness! So I just have to tell you when I when I when I left my organization when I left the class, Carla made me a card, and the card <laughs> had a post office. Uh, like in England, you know, have those beautiful red um, post boxes, and it literally had that, and it had a little speech bubble next to me going, "I'm just going to the post office <laughs> every day." So, people. Every so that day. is probably my number one thing. So yeah, yeah. But the next one that I think she really likes, the top, one of the top contenders, is um, this is where we are, and this is where we want to be, and then we plan for all the steps in the middle. So it's, you know, that's you need to know what your current situation is, what you want it to be, and what steps you know what's in the middle what what do you what do you need to do to get there so encouraging a bad routine or creating one um it's the same way we we can train muscle memory to learn motor skills like putting on a shirt playing football writing etc so we can also get our body used to wind an, a wind down routine before bedtime and i know maybe this sounds weird like oh sleep is not a skill but it actually is so some suggestions Ideally, we should start our bedtime routines an hour and a half before the time we want to fall asleep. But potentially you can try push it for just one hour. Um, so an important things that interfere with falling asleep are screens, stimulating toys like loud flashing lights and not having a, a set time. So and what I mean when we say bedtime routines, we mean a series of actions you can do to relax before bedtime that will prepare you, which will calm down your brain and your body to fall asleep. And there's this really good book called Sleep written by Nick Little Hales, and he mentions REM cycles. And REM cycles, you know, it's a cycle of, you know, the, um, what's it called? It's not the light sleep, the deep sleep, etc. And the more cycles you, you're into, like the deeper you the you know, the deeper your sleep gets. So each cycle is around 90 minutes and then it restarts. But then as you proceed with the cycles, because, you know, when you change cycle, there's a little part where you might wake up. But as you go further and further, you, you know, you'll fall asleep. You'll be deeper sleep will be harder to wake you up. And this applies for autistic children as well and neurotypical and other special needs people. So if a cycle keeps being interrupted, if so, if a child keeps waking up, then it's you need to look further into it. You need to look for help for it because that might be a deeper issue, uh, like neurological or something. And a good article is the relationship between sleep and behavior and autism spectrum disorder, a review by Simone Cohen. And it's from the Journal of Neurodevelopment. Neuro De- oh, my God. Wait, I can do this. I can do this. Journal of ne- Neurodevelopment. Developmental disorders. Oh my god, this is so hard for me. And Yay, on pa- but did I did it. it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it was hard, but I got there. Um, and on page three, they discuss strategies to promote sleep. So they mention melatonin. Uh, melatonin. Melato- help me, Lauren. I can't. Melatonin. Melaton. How do you? You say said it. Yeah, melatonin. Melatonin. Me- but that might just me- be my accent. Melatonin, I like your accent, it's fine. That's it. Um, so they use, they mentioned that as a, and behavioral interventions as well, to promote what they call um, sleep hygiene. So quote and unquote sleep hygiene. And these include like a regular bedtime and a regular waking up time, uh, diminishing screen time towards bedtime. And they, and they say, quote, reducing emotional and behavioral stimulation, unquote. So basically, don't ask your child to do their math assignment just before bedtime. Unless they find it super reinforcing and relaxing, which, you know what, I love math, so for me that's fine. But don't get them overexcited or stimulated before bedtime. And now for the million-dollar question, how can ABA help? 
Um, so we can't control what happens in your child's brain. Neither can you. No one can. But we can support in what happens at bedtime and at waking up time. And we can look at different scenarios. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, for example, altering bedtime, diminishing screen time, and this, uh, simu uh, simulating such situations, getting up and dressed. So these are all things we can control. And, you know, with altering bedtime, which can be quite hard, you can gradually start going to bed earlier. So shaping procedure. And you can use reinforcement, as we mentioned earlier. So you can use reading to your child or let them play with their favorite toy. And every day you can go to bed earlier. So let's say it depends on the child, obviously, and you can do a slower or a faster progression. So let's say they're going to bed at 11 p.m. And you start, and then one day they go, you try to get them at 10.30 and then at 10.15 p.m. And then the next day at 10 p.m. And then, or you can, or, or you can do, you know, every five minutes. Imagine you try 10.30 p.m., then 10.25 past, then, so, you know, you can change the interval that you gradually, you know, put children to bed. Or if you're like my parents and, you like to do a cannonball strategy, which is a few days of waking up early to make you sleepy at night. It does work, I gotta say. It did work, it was effective, but I do think it will be harder for some kids. Um, and also keeping them awake through the day can be quite hard, especially if, you know, if I was neurotypical, still am, I think, um, but it was hard for me. It worked, but I remember that it was really hard for me. So it might not be it might not be the the best strategy for everyone. Uh, and don't despair. If school has started and the routine is still not all there, you know, it took time to get out of the routine. So it's gonna take time to go back into it. And it's worse when you wanna force everything at once. So we're saying take action, but don't try to do everything at at the same time, don't put that pressure of it needs to be perfect, needs to be sorted immediately. That's not going to help anyone. And screen times have also been connected to keeping the brain active because of the blue light that come from them. So a good thing, a good thing computers, tablets and phones now have is a sleep time color. So it's like a brownish filter that takes away the effect of keeping the brain awake. Um, and diminishing screen time can follow the same principle as going to bed. So every day you reduce a bit of screen time and reinforce them for tolerating it. So, for example, this you take a, you finish the screen time five minutes early and say, oh, here's your favorite toy. Here's something to play. Or if they like to take a bath, you can make it part of your night routine. So screen is finished. It's bath time, reading time or making a puzzle, drawing, chatting, etc. And these don't have to be just for children. It can be for adults, teenagers. You know, I sleep much better if I spend the last hour doing something like reading, drawing, stretching, um, as opposed to if I watch films or TV shows, which, to be honest, I do too often, and it's not good for your brain. And waking up can be harder than going to bed because then they're comfortable and it's hard to get them up. But it, But yet again do it gradually, shape it. So if you want them to be up by 8 a.m., open the curtains a little bit at 7.30 and then completely at 7.45. And then at 8, go and speak to them to get up. And we do get, not everyone will be able to do this. It's just an example. And you, might, you know, if you have other children, you're busy, you can't always be going up to their room every few minutes. So just adapt these principles. So to see what works with your routine. So it's the family is a unit um, and a family can be many things. Family can be one parent with lots of children. It can be two parents with just one child. So it's a mix. So just adapt. And again, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Take it bit by bit. See, see what you can do slowly. And all these strategies are shaping strategies. And the reason we discuss them more in depth is because we find them more, like Lauren said earlier, they're most likely to work because you do it gradually. And extinction does work. It does work when you just stop reinforcing a behavior. So you say screen is finished at 9 p.m. and that's it. 
but the fa fallout can be really, really high. So there's more challenging behavior that can occur. And when that happens, it's, it, it's when there's a tendency for, for us, or, you know, not me and Lauren, because sorry, we've, we've had too much training on this to do this, which is our, you know, we're lucky enough, but it's when, when the behavior gets to that high, high challenging point and you're tired and you've had enough and you just want to go to bed, that's when you're likely to reinforcing, reinforce it. Because it's when we lose patience, we just want, we just want to go to bed or we just, or we just want to do something else or we can't, or we're done. And, and then we worry that the child might not be calm, not be calming down. And this is the worst time to reinforce something because that behavior that's more intense gets reinforced and it's probably the one they're going to use in the future so these are the dangers of extinction uh that you know it's quite different when like when lauren and i used to work in in this organization and you're there full time with a child and you can run extinction because we're trained professionals who who can handle it and can follow through it's quite different when you are, it's not your profession, when you're tired, when you're spending the whole day and the night, uh, when you want to rest and, you know, and then you, again, and if it's just a few hours, because I, when I run my, when I work with my clients now, I, pre I prefer shaping so much more just because I know it's hard for, for my clients' parents to follow through on everything because they're tired you know it's it's you know it's just life so it's easier to do a a gradual a gradual progress uh, in different areas uh lauren do you want to talk anything about sleep before i move on to the next topic no i i'm i'm happy with that i know it's your baby um so, <laughs> and i'm happy yeah i think what you said is perfect thank you so much thank you so with that reinforcement, <laughs> I'm going to move on to um, the last topic before Lauren finishes off uh, this episode. And it's called um, less leisure time. Leisure, leisure, leisure or leisure? What would you say? Leisure or leisure? Well, I know Americans say leisure, but we say, I would say leisure. Leisure. L okay. Leisure. Yeah, that's kind of... Leisure. Um, no, it's yeah. to the Americans, but you know. No, but that's how they it. say it. I just that's I just say leisure. I don't know, you know. I like leisure. I like leisure. Let's go with leisure. Sorry, please, American audience, because I know we have a few. Don't abandon us. We just I just like the British accent. Sorry. No, they won't abandon us. They they love us too much. Oh, and, I hope you know, so. Maybe they like our accents. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? All right. So when you're back at school or work. It means we have less time to do the activities we enjoy. And this is quite hard. It's a very hard reality to face. Um, and with COVID, everyone's situation will be different. And some schools might be doing a rotation system where the kids go to school in the mornings or in the afternoons or even two or three days per week. And others might keep to online teaching. And some might just go full on as normal. Either way, children will have to return to a more to more learning time and more school routine time and this will most definitely have an effect on them and we're not saying to let them do everything they want when they get home or finish their schoolwork for the day but just consider how demanding it is to return to a day uh, to return from a day of full of adults telling you do this do that and then they get home and house chores or whatever might just push them over the edge even just little demands of come here do this and continuously calling their name some children with autism just calling their names is a demand some children will i i used to have a, a, a client that just saying his name whilst he was playing he would freak out he would just cry, start crying because he thought we're going to take away the toys and it it varies for everyone and for some children brushing their teeth and taking a bath can be a struggle i don't know everyone's different there's very lots of different situations and a good thing a good rule of thumb to have is look at your reinforcement what do they enjoy to do and use that do they want to watch tv maybe give them a bit free time on tv so they don't have to do anything for it 
And then after some time say, oh, can you help me set the table? And then you can watch more TV or go have a bath and then you have TV. So as well, the, the way you speak to them vary it depending on how much you think your child can understand. And the amount of time you give something for free will depend on your learner. It will depend on how demanding uh, they usually find chores and schoolwork, how they react to being interrupted when they're enjoying something or when they're busy. So their understanding, etc. cetera. Uh, so for some children, words might not be enough. You might need visual guides, like with pictures of the task and of reinforcement. For others, you might actually need to bring the reinforcement with you. So bring a toy or maybe even an iPad into the bathroom to brush teeth. Because I know some children will bend over backwards for a screen, <laughs> for videos and etc. So you can use that as a strategy. And each child is different. But here's some guidelines we thought we'd give you guys to use reinforcers. So one, the higher the demand, the higher the reinforcement. So it's the, it's the law, the matching law. So if something is hard for them to do, the more chance of them engaging in behavior to escape it will, ha will, will happen, the more chance there are. So you need to keep them motivated for what they expect it to do. Two, if a lot of behavior happens around the task, reconsider the reinforcement and how hard the task might be. So on various occasions, behaviors occur around tasks uh, due to the reinforcer not being as valuable as the will to escape the demand. So what that means is escaping has more value than the actual rewards, so the reinforcer. So they would rather, you know what, if they, if they say to you, um, you need to make, you need to clean the whole house for five pounds. I would rather kick off and go away. Sorry, no. <laughs> um, so it can also be that the child has, they've learned that engaging in behavior helps them escape the task. Uh, you know, like when you have a partner who pretends they can't do something, so they get out of the task. It's like, oh, I'm so bad with folding the laundry or just they're just bad at it or pretend to be bad yeah this happens a lot <laughs> i remember at work there was a girl who told me that she makes bad cups of tea or coffee so that people don't ask her to do it again and i was like yeah what if you do that and she was I like know. yeah because i get out of get out of free jail card i was like brat <laughs> you know it depends if people are asking you for 10 cups of coffee i'd be like look i'll do it for two people and that's it Everyone else can lift their bottom. But to be honest, no, actually, no. Because when I remember when we were in our class together, one or two people would take, would bring either a tray or something, would make cups of, or we would bring the cups of tea for everyone in the class, didn't we? We'd take turns in yeah. making tea. I try to make it like a thing that we could do. Well, it's like a nice thing to do for, for staff. You know, like everyone's like, had a hard day. Remember, we used, I used to go, who wants tea or coffee? Because Yeah, we would all take turns, wouldn't it? Like, it's a nice thing to do. Yeah. yeah, it's a nice thing exactly. to do for people. Shame. Yeah, you know? I agree. I completely agree. But yeah, but that's it. So this example Lauren gave, the escape was worth was more was worth more because the reinforcement wasn't high enough. So if someone said, "Oh, uh, if you bring me a cup of coffee, I can help you with your work," so maybe that reinforcer would be higher. Uh, it can also be that the child. You know, we've mentioned they can learn how to skip the demand, but this can vary from from child to child. It can be throwing objects. It can be not brushing their teeth or pretending to be ill so they don't go to school or chatting to distract you from presenting tasks. Because I've had a child like that who kept asking questions because they've learned that people view him asking questions as him being interested. So they would delay giving him work to do. It's quite clever. So and if a task is too hard, consider using an, an easier version of it so they can do the try to do the task and they might be more successful and then just build it up to be harder uh, three don't assume they are motivated by their item or an activity motivation is fluid it changes all the time and just because something was motivating yesterday it doesn't mean it will work again today use something they are motivated for or like on that day what are they looking at? What do they reach for? What do they ask for? So these are all important things when assessing motivation 
which helps you decide on the reinforcer okay it's honestly it's crucial because i've had i've know a boy that his tutor used to think he loved chocolate and she when i started she wanted me to use chocolate and i didn't because you know he likes pretend play and he likes chatting so i i'd use that um and I remember once she came to do a session with me and she used chocolate. So he basically took the chocolate, ate it, and then didn't do anything she wanted because he couldn't care less. Because there was no, he satiated, there's no motivation for it. So it doesn't work as a reinforcer. Um, Lauren, do you want to carry on? I feel like I've been talking for a lot of time now. Yeah, now you know what it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, especially because it's like we put we mute our mic so it's just me it's just you, you talking it sounds it's very strange I wanted to add something here that I think Carl I'm not entirely sure I've told you this story but it's one of the best best things we work with a young man who's now he's now literally a man um at school and at the at that time he wasn't very happy at school for various reasons um we were implementing telling him that he couldn't have things whenever he wanted them, you know, to deal with life. Um, but he, he was finding that really tr tr tricky. And so he told his mom that there was no school and that his supervisor at the time, or the lady running the class, was varnishing the floors. And so he couldn't go to school. And his mom phoned the school to find out if school was happening. <laughs> and it was. No. But he told such a convincing lie just to get out wow. of school yeah so he was he's very wow. crafty he's very clever but yeah so that's there's a lot of avoidance <laughs> around going to school and you My know God. he soon became yeah very happy to come back to school but yes so never be fooled people if they are no. like some of the people we work with are incredibly creative and crafty okay so Thank you, Carla, for talking about reinforcement. I think it's so important and how to look at it, especially in terms of having less leisure time. You know, once you have a grip on using reinforcements or reinforcers or motivators um, to encourage appropriate behavior, you know, you just have to be reasonable when using it. OK, the reinforcer needs to be worth the task. Carla spoke about this. Um, there was a pupil in the organization that Carl and I both worked with who loved shredding. Okay, so shredding documents or papers. Um, and the, the team that was working with him at the time were like, oh, this is a great opportunity to teach him different skills where he had to ask people if they needed things shredded, um, if he, how, you know, where the shredding was, who needed shredding, so he could answer a lot of questions or ask a lot of questions, how much they were going to pay him. At the time, we were using tokens that he could exchange for pennies because um, he loved money. And then once his token board was full, he could exchange that for preferred activities that he liked to do. Um, but then people started overusing it a bit. So, you know, they gave him a lot of shredding to do for very little tokens. And, you know, although he found it enjoyable to still shred, he became a bit bored, like Carla said, satiated. You know, he didn't want to do it for a while. So, you know, be mindful that, you know, sometimes it might not be worth the task, the, the reinforcer. You know, another example, Carl and I have this quite frequently, is that, you know, driving for four hours or taking the tube for four hours to, for, to a client's house to do one hour of work. So that might not be actually worth it for us, okay? It's all about balance. So thinking about the effort you have to put in for what you're getting out in terms of reinforcement has to be considered. Okay, and also I think another one is um, is build in the tasks or how difficult the tasks may be. Okay, it's another way of shaping. Okay, so when, you know, you first go back to work or back to school, maybe relax a little bit. Okay, or allow these young people to relax on the second day. Get them to do like one thing for you. You know, on the third day, maybe one thing. On the fourth, maybe two, you know, and maybe the next day, nothing. You know, it, and so on. There's no set rule, okay? It's about adapting to your the young person you're working with or your young child. Um, it's best to start off easy and make that person successful rather than going full in and hardcore and then having a meltdown and then not knowing how to manage it afterwards, okay? Think about how you would feel if you went back to work and there were like 100 emails waiting for you to answer and all of them were urgent, Okay, or you came back from a holiday and the next day you have to host like a dinner and, like you know, 12 people are coming around. Although, let's be honest, in COVID, that's not happening. But, yeah, you get the sentiment, okay? Um, it's about, like, you know, having to clean and cook in preparation for things. If you're tired already or you've had a demanding day, it might not be the greatest opportunity to do that and you might not be very successful. 
So, you know, always think about how hard things are for you, okay, or how hard some things can be for you. And even grocery shopping can be difficult, especially now. Um, so it might help you be – It is hard. More... Oh, it's horrendous. Um, oh, oh this... it's like a battle. It is. And it just makes you feel like you just don't want to go anywhere. It's like yeah. it's horrible. It's horrible, isn't it? Um, and, you know, think about – as I said, think about how, you know, things – can be hard for you. Think about that helps you put things in perspective for the young people we're talking about. Okay. If something's hard for you to deal with, can you imagine what it might be like for them? It might give you a little bit more um, understanding of how they might struggle in certain situations. Um, so yeah, I think those are some of the ways you can be more successful using reinforcement and building up or shaping tasks. Um, Carla, did you want to add anything? I think. Um, no, I'm good. Okay, cool. Perfect. Okay, and then I think just to summarize, you know, it's about priorities or prioritizing things. Okay, what behaviors are are most important at the moment? You know, is it just getting back into school and going to school? Okay, eating at the school times or getting getting your bag ready, putting your uniform on. Some of these things can be huge for the young people we're talking about, even just putting your shoes on in time. Um, So, you know, how much can you demand from this young person or yourself? You know, it can be really tricky. And to find the healthy balance there is really, really important to be successful. And in terms of reinforcement or, you know, know what they're motivated for, as Carlos mentioned earlier, is that look, what, what are they reaching for? What are they looking at? What are they playing with? What are they gravitating towards? You know, be ahead of the game, you know, observe them. Instead of offering something after they've had challenging behavior, try and see and then first show them it and say, oh, you can have this. You just got to do a couple of these things first. And, you know, I think also it's important to reward behaviors you want to see. Okay, so in terms of challenging behavior, be mindful that the behaviors you are reinforcing or giving in on are behaviors you're probably going to see more of. Okay, and then shaping. Okay, we've spoken about this a lot today and extinction, but building steps. Okay, as Carla said and quoted my catchphrase, you know, where we are now and where we want to be, okay, is is vastly different. We have the big picture in mind of where we want to go. Now we just have to build in all those steps in the middle. We have to be successful in those steps. And we have to celebrate those successes. You know, don't try and run before you can you can walk or crawl. Okay. And the more successful you make the smaller steps, the more likely you to see more success. And even if it's easier than what they can do, you can increase the difficulty of the task, okay, gradually, okay? So, yeah, I think it's about balance and about finding the right way to move forward and breaking down those skills so that you can be more successful step by step because um, that's how we get the big guns, you know, the big where we're going on the big plan. We can't st- We start small to move big. We don't start big and then move small, okay? So, yeah, those are just some of the things I'm um, – I just thought we'd end off on. Connor, is there anything else you wanted to add? No. Uh, oh, actually, the, the before I go into the books and the links, just wanted to say, remember these three words we've said, prioritize, reinforce, and shape. Remember those three. They're really important. Uh, just wanted to mention, um, so the article that I talked about earlier, which is called The Relationship Between Sleep and Behavior and Autism Spectrum Disorder, ASD, a review by Simone Cohen from the Journal of Neurodevelopmental Disorders. Oh, my days. Oh, my days. This should be a target for me, this word. Uh, And Sleep by Nick Littlehales. Also, contact us on aba.owls, with an S at the end, .uk at gmail.com. So that's aba.owls dot uk at gmail.com or go on our website which is www.abaowls.com so we're welcoming feedback or any topic and um our next workshop we are not sure uh we are trying to we don't think it's the right time to go back to presential workshops i think it's a bit soon yet and now everyone's predicting all the professionals are saying there's a second wave coming so we're looking into online workshops, uh, which can be done. For, you can be anywhere in the world to participate. So 
if anyone's interested in that, in online workshops with us, please contact us. Uh, we will be asking some people we know if they're interested before. We are happy to to host them online if you're interested. Um, you know, we, we are in sort of a predicament about about having in-person workshops. And I think um, going forward and the fact that we're having quite a lot of success with telehealth, that, you know, we it's important to keep stuff online for now to keep us all safe. Um, and our next podcast um, will be available next month on the 5th of October. So also, again, please feel free to email us or message us on Instagram with any ideas or topics or themes that you would find interesting. Um, that's at ABA underscore owls on Instagram. If you have a um, particular topic you'd like us to address, please contact us. Carla mentioned the email address, and I'm going to again. That's aba.owls.uk at gmail.com. And please rate, like, and subscribe to us. It's called Chirping with ABA Owls on iTunes and on Instagram and, of course, on Facebook. Please find us um, and send us some information or reviews. We are very, very, very pleased to um, receive any feedback. Thanks, guys. And we are very grateful for everyone listening. So thank you for tuning in for this episode. And bye. Should we say bye? Bye. Yeah, bye. Bye. Thank you, everyone. Bye.